From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I always say that I'm excited about what we're talking about, so this time I'm going to say I'm not at all excited. No, I'm just kidding. He's thrilled. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I'm enraptured. Ooh, now we oh. can start looking in, wow. in, in into the thesaurus.com for, by the way, thesaurus, a hard word to say. Thesaurus. Also known as scottarmstrong.com. Right. right. Don't yeah. go there, yes. I don't know what scottarmstrong.com is <laughs> yeah, right. for yeah. We do not reverse sponsor I'm, I'm purchasing it now. Thank Thank you. Uh, so you're hearing a lot of different voices and we better introduce ourselves. I'm Scott Armstrong and to my left, Natalie Franco. Hi guys. To her left, AJ Fry. Hi. To his left, <laughs> Emily Armstrong. Everyone. And to her left and my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. <laughs> Did you know that McDonald's once made bubblegum flavored broccoli? Gross. What? what? Wait. That's from McDonald's? Yes. McDonald's did this. The I feel broccoli. Like neither bubblegum nor broccoli is really a McDonald's thing. Okay, I think I'm confused. The broccoli was flavored like bubblegum. Correct. Not bubblegum flavored like broccoli. No. The idea was to try to get kids to eat more vegetables. Interesting. And it didn't work. I'm it did guessing. not. It failed in the child testing space. <laughs> in, the child <laughs> testing. in fact, they stopped doing bubble gum after that test. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, the, even as you said that, the child testing phase, I'm imagining all these toddlers and all these kids that are just coming in. It's so like, like lined up. Yeah, exactly. Eat this. Eat this. <laughs> eat, eat this. Oh, my word. This is. Natalie, terrible. here in the DR, did they ever have the ketchup that was colored um, green or purple? I've never seen that. No. No. In a couple of countries, they yeah. tried to do purple and green ketchup, yeah. and that failed as well. I don't yeah. think you can buy it anymore. In Guatemala, they still have green. Still? Yeah. But it's not green, oh, regular ketchup. That's true. It's like it's, a flavor. It's green and it's spicier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah. you eat with your eyes first. If you want to know why those things fail, it's because you eat with your eyes first. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I kind of want to try it, though. I want I'll to try. I'll make you some. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. I do not want to try Chelsea's no. version of bubblegum flavored broccoli. <laughs> Please don't. Got an injection of bubblegum and the oh. broccoli. I, I got this. It's going to be great. It, there, it's right up there with the spinach waffles that she made AJ eat. Oh, yeah. They're don't. So good. No. Don't listen to that. Well, Chelsea's role may be a little different. Uh, uh-huh. her, <laughs> she may not be the cook that we want uh, actually preparing this bubblegum flavored broccoli, but we're going to transition from there to another role. There is an article that we have just read and we have, I, I think that we've also put it up on transformtheglobe.com and it's by Dan Ryland. Man, shout out to Dan. I don't know if he listens to this. Dan provides a lot of content. We have for this used podcast. his <laughs> articles uh, quite a bit, but the title of this one is how well does your church understand the role of the pastor? I immediately read that and I was like, oh, this is going to be good because we are a, a podcast that talks about healthy church, missional church. I'm going to ask AJ and Chelsea, maybe if you could kind of just give a brief summary. He says there are three different interpretations commonly practiced within each local church when it comes to an understanding of the role of the pastor in the congregation. 
before they give the breakdown of the article, I just want to uh, a super short story of something that happened at the church that we're pastoring here in the Dominican Republic. Years ago, we were doing a spiritual gifting test with the congregation and they were all like, oh, these are my spiritual gifts. And when I said, so what spiritual gifts, like that was the top three, right? So what spiritual gifts do you think the pastor should have? And the list is like 25 long, right? And they were like, yeah. well, he or she needs to have all 25. All of them. And I was like, what? Like, and <laughs> I think that's the reality that a lot of churches have of like, okay, I can have three and like experience three, but a pastor needs to have all 25 and be great in it. Which as the wow. pastors in that moment, we were just like, it, like we can either lose hope <laughs> immediately because <laughs> yeah. we will never be what you yeah. want us to be, or we can just laugh and be like, your expectations are absurd. So, and that's what we did. We chose the, the second. Yeah. yeah. So AJ, maybe if you could start, what are these three interpretations that local churches have about who the pastor should be? Yeah. So basically he lists, like you said, these three, these three like categories. And I like to look at it between in the eyes of like the relationship between the church and the pastor. And so they are, they are as follows. Um, number one is the church hires the pastor to do the ministry. And so this is, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about this later, but this is like the first thing that I think of when I think of a church and a pastor relationship is like the, the church sits down with the church board and looks at these candidates of pastors and sit and chooses, okay, we want this person to be our pastor. Like they hire this person to be the pastor. And basically that's, there's another phrase called pulpit supply that's running around out there. And that's basically like this person just preaches. He's the pastor. He preaches, brings the word sometimes or, or she, thank you. And sometimes they uh, go to visit people in the hospital or, or visit houses, but that's, that's it. That's their role. That's their job. The second one is the people help the pastor do his or her ministry. And so the article explains this is a little bit healthier view and uh, the people are on board with what the pastor wants to do, but it's still the, the pastor's, it's still the pastor's idea, still the pastor's agenda, right? And so then the third one is the pastor helps the people, the pastor helps the people do their ministry. And so Dan says that this is ultimately the healthiest model that we can have between the relationship of the, of the church and the pastor is that it's the church's idea. It's the church's ministry and the pastor is there to help facilitate and help maybe give fresh and new ideas and uh, to lead the people in the way that they want to go. So yeah, that's basically the three, the three areas that he mentions in this and very uh, pointed, I think. Uh, this is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And I think the tendency is to get stuck in number two, the people help the pastor do his or her ministry. Dan mentions that this is where we get comfortable. This is where most people sit and like it. They feel involved. So you get the feel good of like being in ministry, but also it's not their vision. So if the pastor leaves, what happens? Everything falls apart. He mentions that number one, the church hires the pastor to do the ministry is um, common amongst small churches. So churches that are less than a hundred people and usually rural, he mentioned. So this is interesting because we were in that context when we were in the United States. And I also think about like Santo Domingo, 
most of our congregations here in the city are less than 100, but it is an urban setting. So does this still apply? I don't know. I haven't done the research, but it's interesting to think about. And then the third one is the most uncomfortable for the congregant and probably even the pastor because you're you're managing other people's desires and other people's visions and you're constantly trying to put it off of yourself mm. and um, probably the hardest but the healthiest way and it's got the most longevity i'm kind of curious when you were growing up when we were growing up what was your perspective of what a pastor is and does um, which category would would you think about and how has that changed perhaps um, I think growing up, and I am going to reveal my age here because I do think that there's a generational shift that's happened mm. in this conversation. I'm 43 years old. Uh, I was born in the end of the 70s. I'm a Gen Xer, and I think a lot of Gen Xers would have my same testimony, would have a very similar testimony of being a Gen Xer growing up in the Christian church in the United States. Um, I had a mentality of my pastor was like, uh, Dan Ryland uses the spiritual hero of the congregation. Um, there wasn't much in me as a young person, as a child, as a young person, as a teenager that was getting ready to go to college that ever felt like the need to have my own vision for what God wanted me to do in this space. It was just like, I come to be a part of the church and the church is very much wrapped up in what goes on within the four walls of the church building. And so for me, I needed a pastor. To me, the the there was not a personal embracing of the mission. I needed a pastor to be the one that gave me vision, that gave me the steps of how to fulfill the vision, that gave me the passion of how to be passionate about the vision. There wasn't much of it that I felt like stemmed from this internal desire. So when I look at that third option of like the pastor is empowering his congregation to do, it was like, I don't think the pastor felt the need for that, but I also think it was a part of our generation. It wasn't something that the congregation was clamoring for either. So, and again, a generational shift has happened. I think uh, it's it's different for people nowadays. I hope it's different for people nowadays. Yeah, and it was really interesting in my case when I realized there was free these free scenarios. I was like, really? Like when I was first reading this, like how is it possible a pastor does everything? How how can it happen? And it is probably because like talking about what happened in my in my church. I grew up in, in the same church. I've been visiting since two years old, the same church. I love my church, by the way. <laughs> and what I've seen is a pastor who presents his vision, but he doesn't he doesn't do everything. He empowers the people. But I've seen also people who gets involved, who loves to serve, um, and they present what what their vision as well. But the pastor is the one who says like, yeah, it's part also of the vision God has given me as a church. You can't um, innovate. Yeah. Like, he, he's not the one who leads everything. He, all the time, what I've seen is a pastor who is watching all the time, taking care of everybody, pushing through. Um, but he let others uh, develop their ministry. That's an excellent example that you've given. And I praise the Lord for that because mm -hmm. I, I see in our region all three, but I see, I, I have to admit, I see this third one, which is the most healthy. 
in fewer churches. I don't know if, if mm-hmm. you would say that. Our discussion reminds me of when we were able to be on home assignment several years ago. I think, Emily, you remember this. And we were in Washington, D.C. Talk about urban, Chelsea. I mean, this was urban. I mean, <laughs> multicultural, uh, mostly African-American church. And awesome. I the, loved that congregation. Yeah, I, I know. It was awesome. <laughs> Even the potluck beforehand. It was amazing. I was like, oh, this is so amazing. But that's not why I'm sharing this. <laughs> we, we Always about, about food. With yeah, you. exactly. But I remember we pulled up and like inside their their church building, you know, the sanctuary that you, you would say, well, this is the sanctuary. <laughs> um, they were having a Zumba class, but it was praise <laughs> Zumba. And, <laughs> nice. um, and wow. the, the pastor greeted Amazing. us. And down to earth and, you know, um, dressed in normal everyday clothes, you know, and uh, and, and just uh, said, hey, welcome, welcome. And he just said, I'll give you a little tour. Not a big church building, honestly, not at all. But uh, I said, hey, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And he said, oh, well, we had uh, one of our people in the congregation that's passionate about Zumba and said, could I start a ministry where I'm starting to to reach out to other women and men have started to come too? And so I, we're walking in there and they are, I don't know what you would call it. It's exercise, it's dance. They're using praise, wor- praise and worship music. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I remember in that moment, I just was like talking with the pastor and there was something that clicked in my brain of like, imagine if we as pastors and as leaders were to enable the people, empower, you said, not Natalie, empower the people to say, you have a passion, you have an ability, you have a talent, well, go ahead, start a ministry. I'm there for you. I'll help you. I'll guide you. But you know more about this than I do, you know, and um, how freeing that was. They had people, he was literally telling me, there were probably 20, 20 people in the sanctuary at that time exercising, but he said, uh, see those, those three, they're pretty new. They've only come, you know, the last two or three times. And in uh, this group, they just recently became Christians because, you know, we started this about eight months ago and they just came to, came to our church. He, mm-hmm. You know, he said, I just said, this is what it's about. This exactly. is ministry. Mm-hmm. This is Ephesians four, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, even on the heels of a, a discussion like that is the, biggest vision that a church can have is obviously the vision that comes from God. And when those ministries, I think sometimes it's easy to think like, oh, well, such and such wants to start a ministry and such and such wants to start a ministry. And we just do tons of ministries, but like there still needs to be this through line of the ministry of like, so why did God lay that on the heart of one of my congregation people? Like as a pastor, this is the way I need to think, right? What's the vision that he's given us? And more often than not, it goes back to like a mission statement or a vision of who that church wants to be in their community. And my hope would be that a church like the one that you just gave us an example of would say, we want to be Christ in our community. Like maybe that's a part of their vision or their mission. And so when somebody comes and says, I think we could do a Zumba class for a year. Can I, can I at least try it? You know, and I see this as being Christ in our community because people need exercise because, and I'm going to go to their urban mission side of thing here, right? Um, in the urban center, people need more exercise. We're very sedentary in the city. We do a lot of sitting. Um, and so like if they're being able to connect to the church's greater mission, then it's like that is the through line of how all this works together. And the pastor is still leading because he's cast vision or she's casting vision, but the people see how what God has placed on their heart and their mind helps feed the vision and the mission of the church. I think that 
verse in Ephesians um, is really important to understand these models. I loved it. The last two verses talk about build the body of Christ until we become mature in our faith and experience unity in the fullness of Christ. I just, I really, really believe, maybe I'm naive, maybe this is ridiculous, but I really believe that God has given gifts and talents to every single person, (laughs) to every single image bearer. And therefore, when we are thinking of a body of Christ in a local context, every gift and talent matters. It's not the, when it talks about the body, how a finger matters and, and the finger doesn't do the same thing as a foot. And how often do we operate that the arm does all of the work? The arm does all the walking, does all the drinking of the water, does all of the thinking, and it's an arm. It's not a brain. It's not a leg. And so I just... You're saying, I just want to, the metaphor, I want to clarify then. So you're saying in the church, we expect a person with certain giftings and certain talents that doesn't have all the talents of the entire body. We expect them to be the entire body. Yeah, like Emily's Emily's example at the very beginning of this episode of they the expectation that the pastor would have every spiritual gifting. But that is not how God created us. God created us to work together to build the body of Christ, not just one piece of the body of Christ, the whole entire thing. And I think that's beautiful. And as leaders that we would do that, I love that. Um, So we're supposed to equip his people, God's people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So uh, this is for maybe you're someone's hearing this and saying, I'd like to be utilized more in my congregation, you know, but a lot of people that listen to this are already leaders, you know, whether pastors or not. Well, your primary task, many would say, would be to equip others to be able to be the body of Christ, to be fully the body of Christ. Yeah, and I think a big piece of like clarification on this whole thing is maybe you have a dream of starting a Zumba class in your congregation. (laughs) (laughs) The thing you cannot do is go to your pastor and say, I want you to start a Zumba class. Mm. Or like, we need to do this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then leave it in their lap. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's not fair on a whole different like taking care of your pastor, but also it's not fair because the call is yours. The passion is yours and you're putting that off on someone else. And so God has given you the desire, you the responsibility, and you're putting it on someone else. That's not fair (laughs) to you. It's not fair to you because you're going to miss out on the blessing that God has promised for you. So I think it's important when we're talking about this to also say like the congregation needs to take responsibility for the thing that God is calling them to. The other thing that I find very interesting was that like growing up, I was under the impression that, you know, church uh, pastor can move from church to church, you know, all over the country, they could move. And in that sense, they're kind of like a missionary because they're going to a different culture every time they do this. And so when you have the mindset that you hire the pastor or that you're helping the pastor with their, with their vision, um, you're kind of in the same sense as that Chelsea was saying, you're kind of doing them a disservice because they don't know the culture of your neighborhood and every neighborhood is different. They don't know the culture of your area or even of the people of the church. Right. And so to to say, you know, whatever you want to do, that's okay with us, but they don't know, they may have no idea what your culture needs, what your, what your community needs. And so uh, I think it's very important to have the, again, to have the, the mindset of the third one, like that the pastor 
needs to help the church with their vision uh, because the, the people know best in, in that area. And that's, that's true for missionaries in a different cultural context as it is for a pastor who's moving from one community to another community. It does cause me to think about like how we have seen, even in our, within our own region, how authority is really uh, viewed differently. You know, and there, there are certain places where we will not take a step. We will not lift our hand to do anything if the pastor has not given the approval, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there yeah. are a lot of churches that are like that. Yeah. And my, how that stymies growth, you know, how that inhibits exactly what we're talking about, the building up of, of the body of Christ. So instead of maybe saying that's how it always is, and that's very negative, are there any examples that we have seen of pastors that are so good at doing this? Uh, not that you mentioned, uh, Ed, we're going to say his name, Edilio Balbuena, uh, your pastor. Have you seen in him or somebody else that, hey, this has been healthy and we can see number three, the pastor helps the people do their ministry. We can see it at work right here where we live. Yeah, I have to say also... Um, Amable Polanco. He is a pastor in Panama. And like the reason why I am saying his name and I have to, to talk about him is because I was able to see, I was getting involved with the NYI from Panama and I was able to see how they were so like making this great impact, not only in Panama, but also overseas, even in Dominican Republic, how Dominicans were, were getting involved with the with Panama, with their church. And I was just looking like, why is the main reason? And then I saw backstage a pastor who was not only empowering, but also getting involved with the mm-hmm. NYI. Mm-hmm. He was in there in every reunion. He was in there like motivating. He was in there with Polanco is just too much. <laughs> and I was, it was amazing to see how was, he was with the youth also, all the time. And, and even as you say that, he wasn't in charge of every youth meeting. No, he was not. He was no, not. but he was there encouraging mm-hmm. and having fun. And being kind, as his name. <laughs> I think there's a big part of this conversation, too, that can um, go into, like, the professionalization of clergy and... Um, We've learned about it in urban mission that there is a lot more success in urban mission when the pastor is a bivocational pastor. Um, And I think when you're bivocational, it necessitates Mm. that the church that you are serving is working together in these ministries, right? Because like, I've got a job that's 40 hours. I've got a job that's 50 hours that is not just church work. And and I just think it, it is a big piece of what God's trying to teach us. I really do think that like the theology of this conversation is that God wants us to have this deeper and greater understanding that maybe what was 30, 40, 50 years ago of having this professionally paid full-time pastor, we love having pastoral staff, but it gives the congregation the freedom to be like, well, I'm paying you to do this. This You're earning your salary by doing all of the things of the church and I don't have to. That's faulty thinking. And we as the church need to repent of that if we find ourselves in that situation, in my opinion. Uh, but when we start to have pastors that like they need the church to be the church, I think that's when this healthier model can just naturally be birthed. And it's more in the DNA of a church that the pastor needs the congregation just as much as the congregation needs the pastor. That's excellent. How, how can we be better in this? How can we help others to, to be more healthy then? I think we need to be more intentional. 
and understand it is not only a pastor's job, but it's everybody's job. And um, if I have to say something, I think we all need to stay linked as one body and be intentional in teaching. Um, but, on all, but not only teaching the person who's going to be who's going to be leading our ministry later on, but to teach everybody because uh, mm. we are we're all in this. <laughs> this is not only my ministry and I'm going to just share with you. It's our ministry. I think we must be intentional in teaching everybody. I yeah. think that goes along with my my feedback of like how we could get to a number three better is if we are focused more on discipleship than salvation. Please don't hear me wrong. Salvation is important. But if we are more focused on teaching holiness and sanctification, we are going to have leaders that can help us with the evangelism piece so that our Zumba classes have the intentionality, the mindset of like, we're starting a Zumba class, but with the intentionality to bring someone into the church family that will then get discipled into sanctification, that then they can give their life and their talents. It's like a cycle. It builds the builds this body of Christ stronger and bigger as we go along. And if we take the responsibility of planning evangelism events off the shoulders of the pastor, he or she can be more focused on training teachers that teach depth and teach roots into what is church, what is Christianity, so that we have a more fulfilled congregation, a more a stronger congregation. And I would even say that um, this topic, we have to have church members that understand their role in ministry. Uh, even more so nowadays, there's a big word called the diaspora. Um, but yeah, it's a $5 <laughs> word. Right? right there. It's more than a $5 <laughs> word. Um, but like where you start isn't necessarily where you're going to end up. And I think, especially for the Mesoamerica region, there is so much migration that's happening. People are not staying in their congregations. Even as we study more about urban mission and stuff like that, you might have somebody in your congregation for a year or for 18 months. What are we doing as the church to equip the people that are going? I, I literally think that like when we see the great commission of Jesus speaking to his disciples and his words of, as you are going, make disciples, like he is giving us the opportunity. We are on a serious historical point on the timeline of history, uh, historical, that is very redundant, but uh, that Jesus gave those words to us 2000 years ago, but we need to take it into our lives and say, as we are going, we are all moving. It, gone are the days that it's like, I grew up in this congregation. I stayed in this congregation forever there that will be people's testimony but Natalie we're going to start to hear a lot more like yours of like I grew up in a congregation but then I moved somewhere else or or I went and did something else and if a pastor was always doing everything for you when you go to that next space you're not going to know how to be the church because you didn't learn in your space and so this message for our church today is so important for the Mesoamerica region because people are not stationary anymore they are moving constantly and we have to be a church that we embrace our role as a member of the body that it's not just one person doing everything we all do it together this is good dan ryland really concludes and just says if if the pastor is helping the people to do their ministry that's when church becomes fun fulfilling and experiences the greatest kingdom impact that's exactly what you're talking about emily 
Um, I have a feeling there will be some people that would like to get in contact with us and say, this hasn't always been my perspective, but I'm going to try and do better, or I'd like to view my role as a pastor or a leader differently or, or, or different things like that. Where can they get a hold of us? We'd love to see your comments on our Facebook page, which is the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org and look for the podcast tab. Uh, and you can listen to all of these episodes and more on Spotify. Awesome. I'm going to actually finish with this Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 passage. I'm going to read that. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Wow. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. I, that's the type of church I want to be a part of. Uh, we are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.